Okay, my good people, welcome. Part of what we do here on Capitalism the Remix is highlight those entrepreneurs who are living the ideals, those brave souls who are creating businesses based on something bigger than the money. They are lit with purpose and trying to reimagine the way business works. Today, we have my man Damon Lawrence, founder and CEO of Homage Hospitality. Damon and his team are building one of the most extraordinary hotel brands, which is being fashioned through the lens of African-American culture. Let's get into it. Welcome to the remix. I got my man Damon Lawrence from Homage Hospitality on. Damage founded Homage in 2014 to rethink the way, uh, reimagine the relationship between between makers, innovators in space using hospitality as a medium. So, Damon, first of all, thanks for joining, man. It's good to see you. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it, Jeff. And uh, I want to, I just want to jump in, man, and have you just tell us a little bit about homage and sort of how this whole thing came about and tell me a little bit about, you know, what, it, what does it mean to you to sort of rethink uh, hospitality as you as you've laid it out I'd love to sort of just hear that story first yeah so I'll take it back to where it started where I got the idea so I'm working I'm at Howard University I'm working at a, a hotel I just got a job at a hotel I'm working the front desk at a property that just opened uh, right in downtown and this is uh this is 0708 <clears throat> so the inauguration, Obama's first inauguration is right around the corner. We're prepping for that. Yeah. That day, that day comes, and I'm like, man, this is cool. You know, we had everybody staying with us. Um, it was literally in our lobby. It was like a who's who of, like, Hollywood royalty. And, you know, all of Bad Boy MTV is in the lobby. All the disc jockeys from Carson Daly at the time to Sway. And it's just like. Everybody, Cheryl Crow, it's like all these people in the lobby. And I'm thinking, man, this is so cool, you know? And the owner of the company, uh, Jason Pomerantz from Thompson, is there. And I'm like, man, this, I think this is what I want to do. Because the whole time I was thinking, man, here goes the first black president. He's about to be inaugurated. But then when I look at who's in the building, then I thought about, okay, that's cool. But who owns the building? And how different would it have looked if we owned the whole thing? Mm-hmm. So I just start, I started doing research and found like, man, who? I was trying to figure out who's doing this hospitality thing from a boutique perspective, and I couldn't find anybody. And to me, that seemed like an opportunity, a missed opportunity. And then that's where the the beginning of the process for building the homage brand started. And so uh, the next couple of years after that, I just took jobs to, to learn the industry as much as possible. I worked my way up. I, I moved over to Ritz Carlton. I worked for the Doyle Collection for a little bit for IHG. Um, I came back home to California, worked at a bunch of different properties there. And the whole time I was just waiting for that. I was like, you know, playing double dutch, trying to wait for that opportunity to, to jump out and do it myself. And then that, that time finally came in about 2014 where I started building the business plan for what would be homage hospitality. Um, so yeah, you know, that this is, so this, this, this show, what we're doing here at Capitalism Remix is about really about, you know, sort of two things, right? Rethinking or remixing the relationship between capitalism and society 
and this notion that I always talk about that there is smart and talented, you know, innovative people equally distributed across society. But opportunity, on the other hand, is not. And oftentimes, for us, opportunity is not equally distributed simply because of the way we look, you know, where we come from. Right. right so right. that's why I was so excited about getting you on, man, because I think that that's sort of where um, homage comes from. Right. Is that, you know, it wasn't it, it wasn't it wasn't because of lack of talent out there. Why this wasn't happening. Right. It was because, right. because of the lack of opportunity. Right. Yes, so, lack, of lack of capital. Lack of capital. So um, I, I wanna, I'm going to get into the capital thing a little bit too, <laughs> right? Going to see how you're doing on that front. But right. so how did you, tell me about, you know, from, a, from the perspective of, you know, not only you diving in and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and take advantage of this opportunity or, you know, the fact that I have the talent to do this and no one else is doing it. But what does that, what does it look like on the ground for the brand, right? How is the brand? How is the brand different from a you know on, on a you know on a on a you know where the rubber meets the road? Tell us about that. You know, yeah. What what, what I wanted to do uh, with the brand is really highlight, first of all, American cities. What makes them different, but from the lens of the black experience, right? And so. Uh, my time at Howard U University really informed that, right? So you think about Howard and you don't think about how much diversity exists at, on the, on campus, right? We have black people from places you didn't even know black people existed, <laughs> you know? Um, and then everyone comes, it's this melting pot where everyone brings their local culture with them, right? So that everyone brings their local dances, their local food and, you know, their local lingo and you get to experience it all in one place. I mean, and you know this, that the culture even between, from the, on the Beltway from Baltimore to DC is drastically different, yeah. right? Yeah. From the food. And so how do you package that up into a hotel experience that centers you in a place, but then gives you that local experience, right? And really highlights that and speaks to those local creatives that have been there doing amazing stuff how do you highlight them? And what I realized in the hospitality space, you're not seeing that happen. And it's across the whole, the whole food chain, if you, so to speak, right? If you don't have diversity at the ownership level, then that translates to the management level. And then that also translates to the partnerships that you have, you know, within the hotels, the artwork, the programming, you know, who's running that and are they being cognizant of who is, who has a seat at the table? And so we felt like with the homage brand, we could do that. And that's the genesis of a great brand, right? In every single city, you pay homage to that local culture. You give people something that's unique, a different experience. Um, you give them that local black experience, right? That I think a lot of people are, are excited about and want to, want to get close to, um, but don't know how to. And, you know, that's how... We, we take the brand and, you know, um, you know, pollinate this process in all these different cities, whether it's Memphis, D.C., Detroit, Baltimore, um, Birmingham, you know, Oakland, where I'm at right now. Uh, all these cities have a very unique subculture um, and, and very deep history and roots culturally as well. And paying homage to that is just it's a fun 
exciting way to think about hospitality. Yeah, man. You know, so it's it's, it's a couple of things, and we're going to keep getting deeper into this because a couple of things that cross over between what we're doing, you know, raising the venture capital fund, investing in, you know, minority founders and where we want to invest and how we're doing it, right? So one thing you just talked about was being deliberate, right? Being deliberate about thinking about this experience you're creating, right? Everyone says to us, how are you finding 70% of our last cohort were minority founders or female founders? How are you finding that? We're like, we're just being deliberate. We're just going into the community. We're just letting them know that we're out there and we want to support them. So a lot of what you're talking about is the same thing, right? About being deliberate about what you do. And the other thing is, and I, you know, the market you're in, I, I was looking on your website earlier today and I was thinking about, um, you know, uh, where, where are the markets that we want to be in with the Conscious Venture Lab? Where are the markets that we want to be in from an investment standpoint? And I went down the list, Oakland, Atlanta, St. Louis, Memphis, Philly, Harlem, Inglewood, Baltimore. I'm like, I should just follow, you know, I just got to follow Damon around, right? Open up where Damon opens up and I'll be all good. But right. serious, man, that's, that's exactly how we've been thinking about this, you know, and those, you know, uh, for me, we've been thinking about it because I think that's where we can have the biggest impact. Like I have a bigger impact in Baltimore than I can in Manhattan where I'm from, you know, from New York. Have a bigger right. impact in Baltimore. How have you been thinking about that list of cities? I mean, why that list of cities? Yeah, we we when we first started, we were thinking about a lot of the just selfishly. I was thinking about a lot of the primary markets. Um, you know, I'm from LA, so I obviously was thinking about doing something right in LA, um, and then obviously and in DC, and then you know, the more that we got into it, we said to ourselves there's some untold stories in some of these other cities and we really need to focus there. We need to focus our attention there. And then also it's, it's a better position to be that, uh, that big fish in a smaller pond. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where we kind of feel like there's a sweet spot. You, you mentioned this, you think about the cities that we mentioned, you think about a Memphis, you think about St. Louis, um, these are interesting travel destinations, especially post-COVID, right? Uh, the way people think about uh, travel is a little bit different. Um, they're willing to venture outside of some of these primary markets, even to see some secondary and even tertiary markets. And so that's how we've been thinking about it recently, especially after we, you know, on the heels of the, of the COVID rebound. Um, but I think, you know, looking deeper into some of these cities, Man, there's a lot of untold stories. And that's, that's what's exciting about, you know, going in and uncovering, you know, some of the stuff that you wouldn't know, you wouldn't be able to Google. Yeah, you know, um, tell us about, so if I'm, if I'm correct, the most recent project, is Birmingham the most recent? No, so we're actually working, I'm looking at some property in Birmingham. So I just took okay. a trip to Birmingham a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were down there. We have our eyes on a couple of properties. I like that market a lot. A whole lot. I actually, um, my first time going to Alabama and spending any amount of time in Alabama was this year. And in that process, you know, um, in being able to be there an extended amount of time, I didn't realize I would love that market as much as I do. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Obviously, we know the history there. 
Um, and so there's so much to talk about. There's so much to uncover. But then the, the, the most recent project that we're working on that's going to be um, renovated really soon is Albany, Georgia. Oh, Albany, if, that's right. Yeah, Albany, yeah. Georgia, yeah. And if you would have told me a year and a half ago that I'd be in Albany, Georgia, I would have laughed, you know, because <laughs> I didn't even know where it was a year and a half ago. Um, but the more time we spent there, uh, the more we got to know the local culture, we realized it's the perfect market for us to be in. Um, there's so many different drivers there. There's so much history from a, a civil rights perspective, and it, it's the low country. And some, so many of our stories start there, right? Our, our American stories start there, right there in the low country, right there. So really excited about that. We have a partnership with uh, Design Hotels. So that project will be a design hotel, which I'm super excited about. Um, but man, that, that's going to be a really, really good project for the brand to showcase what we can do and take it into a tertiary market. Tell me about that partnership. How does that work with design? Yeah. So one of the things that we looked at, um, because financing, and this is going back to capital, financing is always an issue for independent hotels. And if you think it's, it's tough for any independent, a black owned independent is going to have it even worse. Right. And so one of the ways that we have been thinking about, uh, that in and of itself is how do we align ourselves with a brand to give us that distribution to make it a little bit easier for us to finance these deals. And that the best possible relationship that we could find was with design hotels because, you know, proper hotels are members of that, uh, of design. Lifehouse is a member of design or was at once, uh, once upon a time. And so it allows you to have your brand identity and hold true to that, not give any of that up, but then still have access to the Marriott distribution. Uh, and so to me, that was like the best of both worlds. We get to stay independent, but still it, it, the, the best way to, to quantify what it really looks like, it's as if you're an independent recording artist, but you have a distribution deal with Atlantic, you know? Um, and, mm -hmm. and, this was probably the best partnership we could have. And then what we realized even in that process is this summer when everyone was posting their, you know, their black squares on Instagram, um, design hotels couldn't authentically speak to anything because out of their 13 year history, not one of their hotels were um, black owned ever. Yep. Right. And they, and they have a, a pretty extensive portfolio in Africa. Yeah. And still none of their, none of their portfolios were black. You know, none of the properties in their portfolio were black owned. So it just was um, an interesting opportunity where the two, the stars kind of aligned this summer. And when they found out about my brand, it just made a whole lot of sense. Yeah, man, that's, uh, th that's on point. I, I love the way you're thinking about that. Um, but it, it also takes me back to um, the question about how and why it's so hard to raise capital. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that, right? Because because we're right. all facing that. Even you know we're we're facing the same thing. But what's been what what's been the biggest hurdle for you? I mean, how, tell me about the the process of raising capital so far. And if you're raising capital now, let's talk about that too. But first, tell me about the process. So 
you know, let me ask you a question. For most of your startups, through through the life cycle of their uh, of the business, typically on average, how much capital is one startup raising? Even what what does a seed round look like for for one of the startups that you're even in, involved with? Yeah, you know, it's a great question, right? I mean, the way that so we're we're usually the first or second professional check-in to deals. So right. we're seeing we're seeing companies that have raised, they either raise nothing, we're putting $125,000 on the first check, or they've raised, you know, fifty or seventy-five thousand dollars or something like that. And this is an uphill battle, right? Um, there because you know traditionally um, and because of all the things that we're talking about every day now, we don't have a lot of friends and family money, right? There's not a lot, you know, I, I don't have a rich uncle. So, right. uh, or, or anyone who knew a rich uncle for, you know, for that matter. So right. um, I think that some of the, the companies that we uh, invest in are probably on the lower end of what their pre-seed and seed stage look like. Um, right. uh, so it's harder for them, but that's part of also the reason we're in the we're in the market. So look, I, I, I so I get it. I, I see where you, see where you're headed. But I would say, you know, on average, they're somewhere between zero and five hundred thousand dollars, and that's definitely the lower end of the seed stage financing we see. Right. So the reason why I asked that question, and you said you know you know where I'm headed for one hotel project that doesn't move the needle. Yeah. Right. Right. So for one hotel deal. I'm raising 10 million in equity. Yep. That is that is the biggest challenge. That is the reason why I said, oh, this is why no one like me has, has done this so far. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I right. think about even yeah. I think about even my friends that you know have raised a good amount of money even in tech. And I look at what that round looks like, right? If whether it's a blavity that you know, raises five million for their for their B or Series A or whatever whatever it may be. Like that's not even half of what I need for one hotel deal, and I'm trying to build a portfolio, right? So the ask for what I'm trying to do for these large you know real estate assets is great. It's great, and I still have the same deficiencies, right? I don't have the rich uncle. I don't really have too many people in my circle that qualify as a accredited right. investor. You know, I, I just don't have those people to call on. So it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge. And I think that's the reason why we've really relied on partnerships um, and, and aligning ourselves with the right people. And one example of that is I talked about design hotels. But one partnership that I'm super excited about is the, C, the former CEO of Design Hotels, who was also the CFO of Marriott. And then the CEO of Ritz-Carlton after that just became our, one of our strategic advisors, right? And so I think through that relationship, we'll, we'll have access to a lot more capital. Uh, we'll, we'll at least get that, that seat at the table to be speaking to a lot more people. His name is Peter Cole, Peter Cole. Yep. And so, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge for sure. Obviously, even qualifying for the debt that you need on these properties. So if I need 10 million of, of equity, I need upwards to 15 to 17 million of debt to make that deal happen. And it's been tough. It's been tough, you know, um, especially as an independent brand, especially one that pays homage to black culture <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, un un unapologetically, 
You know, I think, you know, the banking world just doesn't see our brand the same way that we do. And it's just taken a while for, for them to come around. I think, quite frankly, COVID was probably the best thing that could have happened for us. Hey, if you're digging listening to the remix, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We're changing the world here. And we need you. Find us wherever you find your podcast. Okay, let's get back to the remix. Look, we got there's a window, right? Right. So there's a window right now. We got to take advantage of it. But that window can close, snap shut pretty quickly too. Yes. Right? That's yes, the thing. That, that's the thing that's on my mind all the time. Is that you know when when is uh, you know at some point they're going to say, well, we talked to five funds like you, Jeff, and we think that's enough. Then the window is going to be shut. Right. right. And you think right. about that in, in, you know, in relationship to, I read something about you guys today. Um, you know, African-Americans uh, contribute $70 billion to the global, uh, you know, global travel industries with, with a third of that going to hotels. Right. And this is one of the things that I think that people miss all the time about what you're doing, about what we're trying to do. Um, you know, a lot some other friends of ours is that, you know, the majority investors and majority partners, they look at this and they said, oh, it's really niche. And we don't see that this thing can scale, right? But if you take a half a step back or do 10 minutes worth of research, you can say, no, wait a minute, $70 billion and 20 upwards, you know, almost 30, you know, 20 billion of that, 25 billion of that closer is going into hotels. Maybe right. this guy Damon's up to something. Maybe he knows something. Right. Right. So, right. I mean, that's the battle we got to fight, man. That's the battle we got to fight every day. I want to, I want to ask another question and I want to go in a different direction in a minute, but what, um, so what's, uh, other than the partnerships, have you had any, um, uh, success with any specific types of investors? You don't have to give names, but the t- uh, types of investors who were, who were saying, okay, We'll give you because I know you got you got a couple of products. I mean, you did uh, New Orleans and a few others, right? The more, right? So, what were the types of investors that were were um, receptive to you in, in the beginning? Is is that's a very interesting question. There's a certain profile, yeah. <laughs> right? It's like forty-ish, kind of grew up with with hip hop understanding the way that kind of things happen culturally with the hip hop movement and they get how the homage brand, where we're trying to go and how it can really take over the market. And I would say that, you know, the age range, almost like thinking about the book, the outliers, right? The age range between of our investors, they're probably within about a five year, all of them are like within the same five year gap uh, as far as their age is concerned. And then, you know, very diverse backgrounds, right? Um, and even even culturally. But I think that it's, it's a lot of people that are kind of in that, um, they're not, obviously not millennials, but just the, the generation right above us. But they understand it, they get it, and they've seen it. And, you know, all you have to do is, is think back to NWA or, you know, some of the other groups that have been, you know, uh, run DMC, some of the groups that have been able to make it in a similar way, in a similar fashion. uh, And they understand where, where homage could go and what it, what it could be. 
you know, you, you bring up the hip hop thing, which is really interesting to me. I hadn't thought about this before, but like a lot of uh, um, industries, particularly when it comes to, you know, sort of design and culture, you know, our design and culture capabilities gets co-opted all the time into the yep. mainstream. So I could see, I could see an, um, uh, a situation where people start to knock off, um, you know, your brand, right? Yep. Because once you, yep. once you start to, once you start to hit your stride, people either start to knock off your brand or that, you know, from an investor standpoint, I look at that and go, ah, okay. The partnerships strategic end up being strategic buyers. Um, that that's a really powerful that's a really powerful right. sort of path there, right? Right. That, that's that's how we think too. I think that we're also dealing with a sophisticated uh, consumer and able to see right through uh, when it's authentic and when it's not, and the identity of the the person running it matters, and the way we are making a protest today is through our spend, right? Uh, we're consciously trying to figure out how can we how can we spend our money with our own, right? And I just want to be able to, to deliver a product that makes you proud to pay, whatever that is, to be able to stay at one of our properties. Like you, you want to do it. You're excited to do it. You're happy to do it. And you'll do it repeatedly. And I think if we can create that, that product that we... I haven't seen yet on the market, um, really designed well and very thoughtful and intentional. I'm confident that we'll do well. And you're right, when you think about those strategic partnerships, I mean, who's to say that Marriott wouldn't be a potential buyer, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, you know, wouldn't infuse capital later on down the line. I just think we need to, to build it out. And these, these are conversations that we've had internally, build it out to a good scale. And I think we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you also need to talk to, I mean, I just think this is a string that's running through my mind, this whole conversation, is that you should probably also talk to um, the guys from Rise of the Rest of Revolution, if you haven't talked to them already. Haven't. Um, because, I, I, you know, everything that you're saying, everything that you're doing aligns with the way that they feel about the world. And you're going to all the markets where they want to be. I mean, you know, same markets we talked about. You know, they're doing, you know, Steve Case is driving that bus around the country thinking about the same thing we're thinking about, that, right. you know, talent is everywhere, opportunity is not. Um, he's, the his whole team, to their credit, is really starting thinking about that from a diversity lens, right? So how can we support diverse entrepreneurs? So I think that, you know, we, we I'm going to, we have a question I asked at the end. How can you know me and the community be helpful? But that's one way we want to put that down. I know Mariana's listening in the background. Write that down, Mariana. We're gonna <laughs> we need to connect. Um, we need to connect Damon with the with, with the Revel, Rise of Rush folks. But that thing you just said about you know part of the protest is how we spend. I want to get into that because you know two parts of what I'm trying to do with this with this show, right, with this podcast, is about one reframing um, the way the relationship we have with capitalism, right? One is who do we invest in? The other is how do we invest? So for the who do we invest in and how do we, the way they come together is um, we think that the winning businesses of the future are not going to be those businesses that focus so myopically on shareholders, but they're going to focus how they create value for all their stakeholders. So 
you're you're uh, you know one of the types of you know you're you're like a, a poster child for what we think about businesses on, on one sense, but I want to think about the other sense. How does this the way that you think about the brand? How does it seep into how you run the business on a day to day basis? How you interact with employees, suppliers, your community? Does it you know how does it influence that you know that? The op- from an operation standpoint, I know how it how it looks from a brand standpoint, from a product standpoint. That's sort of we call that working, you know, in the business. Then I want to talk right. about how you work on the business, right? How do you relate right. to those stakeholders, and what does it mean for you? How does it does it change the way you think about running the business? That's a really good question, and it does, and it has to, right? It has to, you know be a factor in how we run the business because especially in the service industry, our, our partnerships, the people that we have working that are supposed to deliver the, the brand promise, right. To everyone else, there has to be alignment there. And it, you know, sad to say, I don't think we have many opportunities to get it wrong. Right. Um, the one thing about our people is, you know, they, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be honest, Right. And so uh-huh. it is so important to be excellent every day, right? And even our, you know, we, we talk about music. I love music. And so music permeates into the brand so much, but all of our values are mainly lyrics, right? And there's one specifically that I think about all the time. It's a, it's a biggie lyric and it's on, on the song Victory where he's saying excellence is my presence, right? Mm-hmm. And to, to come to work every day and understand you have to be excellent. If, you, if you're choosing to be here, if you're choosing to be a part of homage, excellence just has to be who you are, what you do, and what you exude, um, because that's how we, you know, are able to deliver great value to our, to our shareholders, really, and our consumers. And so the, the interesting thing about our brand is we have people, I, I kid you not, I get resumes, unsolicited resumes from people daily, mm-hmm. right? There is, a, there is a labor shortage in hospitality right now, and I can tell you, I don't see it. It's not your problem, right? <laughs> it ain't my problem. Right. Because people are opting in and saying, look, I've been working at this hotel, that hotel. I just want to experience what it would be like to work for you. My man. You know? Right? So I, I think that we, I mean, we're in a really good spot, but- you, you're right. At, at every point along the, the business journey, it has to, it all has to click. It all has to come together. Even the investors that we have, right? There's, there's people that I haven't taken money from because I didn't think that there was alignment and that that excellence being the presence was not going to be there with, with certain, with certain groups. And so all the, all across the board and you, you never want someone especially now, especially in this world of cancel culture, to open up the hood and then you have some people that don't align with the brand vision and the values that you have to, to you know, surface and be like, oh, that, they're on your cap table? Okay, well, I'm not going to stay there. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and so, yeah, we, there's something that I'm always thoughtful about and even bringing in the right people and the right personalities and people that really love the brand, people that love the culture. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be black or African-American. It just means that you have an affinity and, and a love and appreciation for what we do. 
Yeah, man. Look, this is that that is almost a perfect ending to this discussion because you know <laughs> a couple of things we tell entrepreneurs all the time. We know we all need money. You got to raise capital, and if you raise misaligned capital, it's gonna the torque steer of misaligned money is gonna pull you off the path, right? So when you start thinking it's only about the money, it's only about the money. That's when you start to get yourself in trouble. We say that when you separate purpose and profit. You leave a space in the middle for bad things to happen, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that mm-hmm. profit's a bad thing. If you're not making a profit, you're you're not running the business, right? It's a hobby if you're not making a profit. But how we make money is is just as important as how much money we make. And you right. think about the story you told about you have unsolicited, you know, resumes coming in looking for jobs, and people are crying, I can't find employees. Well, you can't find employees, maybe you're not treating them right. 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 Maybe maybe they don't agree with the with the purpose of your organization. And I tell people this all the time. They're like, you know, um, you know, people think about this notion of stakeholder or conscious capitalism and they think that, you know, we're concessionary investors. And I'm like, no, we're not concessionary investors, because if you if you treat employees like they're human beings for their own sakes, what will they give you? One the thing that we most want, discretionary effort. They'll do more than you pay them for. And two, you create a magnetic culture is what you've done, right? Right. You create a magnetic culture where people want to work there. Suppliers, the same thing. They'll bring you innovations. They want to work with you versus someone else. I can guarantee that you're going to see this in the markets. I don't know yet. I haven't, you know, we haven't talked about it, but I can guarantee that in the markets you want to go to, Oakland, Atlanta, St. Louis, Memphis, they're not going to put up many barriers to entry for you coming in. They're going to say, no, 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 we want that brand here, right? That's, that's what's starting to happen. That is what's starting to happen because they think people are realizing Birmingham is a great example. Birmingham is a great example. I was, I was brought to Birmingham, right? I was brought to Birmingham and then sold the city, right? I met the mayor, you know, I met all right. the major stakeholders, you know, and they wanted a homage property in their city man two years ago that's what i was that's what i was praying for you yeah, know <laughs> i'm sure and so yeah that's that's what's starting to happen you know and you think about hotels and you think about the job creation that a hotel can can provide it's a huge economic driver there's so many jobs that one property can produce and these are these are good paying jobs and i think you know even the way that we think about it is number one we can drive a good rate. We're going to do great occupancy. Thus, we'll be able to pay our employees really well. Yep, dude. Yeah. This is a that that's a that's you know it's so in line with what with what we're thinking, the way we think about the world. So we um I'm 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 grateful for you, grateful for the work you're doing, grateful for everything Appreciate you're bringing it. bringing here. I got two questions. Question okay. number one: When are you coming to Baltimore? Oh man, I was I was just I'm looking at property in Baltimore, so I was just there, and I'll probably be back in the next, definitely in June, in the next right. month or so. I'll be, I'll well, be there. well, keep in touch when you're when you're here. We can we can connect live, and you know if you need anything, you need to meet anybody, you let us know. All right. All right. And, Sounds and the good. second the second is we always ask how can you know we're going to put this up. How can the how can I and the community be helpful to you? What can we do? Um, you know, sort of what's that, what's the one thing that's keeping you up at night that we can, that we can potentially help with? That's a great question. I think right now, 
telling as many people as you know about the brand. Obviously, when this podcast, when it when it releases, if you're listening right now, share this with your friends yes. and share this with people that you know uh, where the story can be helpful um, or that are in the hospitality space and you've heard them have similar conversations amongst their friends of things that they want to do. Just share this podcast. I think that would be an immediate, you know, that would be the... Uh, the best thing you could do for us. Well, that'll help both of us. So we'll uh, yeah. we'll get it out on social media. <laughs> we'll make sure that everyone shares. We'll have it up on all the information about homage uh, up on the up on the website. Uh, Damon, great to, uh, to to spend some time with you, my brother. And uh, thank uh, you, thank you for having me. Anytime. Look forward to the next time. We look forward to uh, seeing you in Baltimore soon. All right. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Right. I appreciate it. Okay, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed that. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Capitalism, the Remix. Until then, keep the faith, keep grinding, keep building with purpose, be kind, and do the right thing. We out.